This is Hannah. This is Rachel. And this is What I Like to Tell People. Have you been feeling curious about connecting with your spiritual side? Are you having difficulty trusting your intuition? It could be time to test your skepticism and meet with a spiritual medium. Three-Eyed Bob offers personalized, intuitive readings to help you better understand your journey and identify the unseen forces assisting you along the way. As featured on our first episode of this season, Three-Eyed Bob provides a fresh approach to mediumship that focuses on identifying realistic connections to your current life circumstances. Check out threeeyedbob.com for more information about services offered and to book your virtual reading session today. That's threeeyedbob.com found in our episode notes. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Hannah. How was your week? It was uh, it was just a long week. I think I'm getting over a sinus infection, but other than that, you know, it wasn't too, too bad. Um... Uh, my museum is having the Picasso exhibit come, so that's excited. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I've always wanted to see it. Yeah, he's it's our blue period, so um, we have a few of his rather than your the... red. That seems concerning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have his blue period, and we have oh, that's fudged up. I get it now. <laughs> that went over my head just because I went into art history mode. <laughs> I was like, yes, the red period. <laughs> But yeah, so Picasso, and then we have a lot of our um, our uh, what's it called, our permanent collection out now because um, our second floor usually is our permanent collection on top of um the old house. So it's exciting. So, um, we have uh, so hopefully maybe you could see it. It's until June, so when COVID clears up or something, let's see if you could come by. How was your week? It was good. Uh, yesterday, I finally bought some Girl Scout cookies. It was really funny. Um, they were selling them in front of Starbucks. And so I was with Alex, my boyfriend, and he was uh, – we decided to get some Thin Mints and uh, some Tagalongs because those are my two favorite, and he loves Thin Mints. And the little girl was like, it's $5 for Thin Mints and $6 for Tagalongs. So Alex is like, okay, we'll just take – two boxes of Thin Mints and one box of Tagalongs. And, and then the mom was like, well, how much is that? And she's like adding it up or, or like they were like, it's 15. And I was like, that's not right. And then um, they were like, no, it's $5 a box. So she was trying to like upsell Thin Mints to us. And she, I was going to say because Thin Mints are actually, yeah, cheaper than um, Tagalong or some other no, they're, ones. No, so the same price. Well, there's like usually, one cookie that's $6 and the other one were they were. No, I, yeah, and the gluten-free ones are, um, I think, uh, 6 or 7 Yeah, that might have been. I don't remember what was 6 but it was really funny. I was like, oh, she's a really good salesperson. And then yeah, I was like, she is. I hope she didn't get embarrassed because I, I feel like, you know, she like made a mistake. She really, you know, thought she was so, right. you could tell she was really nervous. And I was like, I really hope and I was like oh you're a good salesperson didn't like I don't know I was like overthinking it but it was really it was I think you're over yeah that's cute and funny yeah it was it was funny and I always wanted to be a Girl Scout and I know my mom's listening and I was not a Girl Scout so I'm just putting it out there but anyway um I, and then I, I used to want to be one <laughs> you used to want to be one 
And then I got bullied, and then I had, like the Girl Scouts around their area. It was just me. You were in the Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. I was not. I was actually in a Boy Scout. That's awesome. So I I went to Boy Scout camp. Like people are like, what do you? I actually like. I'm not just like. I wasn't just like in a classroom calling myself a Boy Scout. Like I. It was called tag along. No. I think that's why I like the, the cookies. I yeah. Um. My. Uh, yeah. My dad was in the. Yeah, that's so cool though. Yeah, well, he I wouldn't have been a tag along. Well, unless he was no, super no. young, because it was like for boy. It was it's for siblings of uh, the boys scout or well the Cub Scout siblings of Cub Scouts that are going to Boy Scout camp. The day. Camp. Well, then his brother would have been that because his brother both of them were um, going up to I think Eagle Scouts. Well, they probably were in the actual Boy Scouts, not tag alongs. I mean, unless I they don't were like. Oh, I just think it's cool that you're yeah. part of it. Yeah, well, that's I, all I, I was care just having only like, I actually got like badges and they did bees so cool. and stuff. So I did that, um, and I did really good in archery. Like we participated in all the stuff. But anyway, enough about me and my Boy Scout <laughs> days. Like we're a little off, uh, off the. Era. I like our conversations, though. They're good. Yeah, we're a little off. So this episode was with Katie Sherman. I know her as Katie Picarillo, which I say that I think in the episode. And she recently wrote a book called "They Always Wave Goodbye," which is an excellent read. I've read it. It's um, really amazing great uh short stories that are you know as she will talk about very uh sad so i won't go into too much detail happy listening hello everyone we are here with katie sherman originally katie picarillo from my hometown of madison and her mom was my preschool teacher and she was actually did you have my mom for fourth or third grade i think i had your mom for th- for fourth grade if i'm not mistaken because okay. i had well, julia she, warner for third grade oh <laughs> uh, okay well she i think stopped teaching fourth grade when i was born in 89 so if that like helps you with not that I'm we have to like sure help had, i'm pretty sure i had your mom in fourth grade <laughs> Okay. I'll have to ask her if she, you know, remembers if she can fact check. Yeah, for sure. Have her fact check us. (laughs) Yes, yes. So you are here to talk about your newly released book, They Always Wave Goodbye. And that is a compilation of 13 different stories. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I have unfortunately not read the book, but I tried to read up (laughs) as much as I could on it to kind of get it. And it it is a uh, fiction book. Correct. It is it is fiction adjacent. My husband likes to say because he's like I can pick up a lot of the things in there that were from certain people or were from my past or that you said. So he likes to call all of my fiction work fiction adjacent. You just don't want to say that they're true. You're like that's I don't, right. I don't that's want right. people to really know that this is true. Like, I'm hiding under the fiction umbrella. Yeah, like, I swear <laughs> that person is in that person in that story. Just like. That's right. (laughs) I saw someone like made a like a little reviewer comment and it was about a daughter coming home to West Virginia from Chicago. And I was like, oh, I wonder if you kind of base some of that on, you know. Um, Well, any of the Chicago stuff is very based on a lot of the experiences that I had there. That particular story, um, there are a lot of small details that you could definitely pull from my real life. The loft, she like talks about different parts of the loft where she lived. And it was very much my loft at the time. (laughs) Um, And then there are some really fun things. Um, The father in it actually is, has some 
is experiencing dementia or Alzheimer's, and it's Mm -hmm. a really early diagnosis. And so he can remember a lot of the things um, from his past. So like West Virginia University basketball players, I talk about a lot of them. And a dear friend of mine, Willie Akers, is somebody that I reference. He played basketball at WVU. And so, um, yeah, there are some definite tidbits uh, about my life from the title story. They always wave goodbye. Um, I lived in Chicago for five years and loved it. Um, But you always, when you leave West Virginia, there's always a part of you that thinks back to it and kind of considers it your home. Um, And so that's a big part of that story. Yeah. I, I can relate. I always say that West Virginia is like a, my first love. Like it's always it has like a special place in my heart, but I don't know if I'll ever go back to it, but it will well, always be It's a, it's a hard place. So West Virginia, yeah. I love it. Um, I write about it often. And when I first started writing, I thought, maybe I won't write so much about West Virginia, you know, because I, it's a different relationship. You do love it. And there are so many things about it that can be a little bit backwards. So I was like, well, maybe I'll write about it. Maybe I won't. And then I ended up writing an entire collection. about it. So I would consider it my first love too, but in the ways of first loves, it's kind of tumultuous in how you think about it for sure. Right. Yeah. I know that's how I am. Like we've interviewed so many people from West Virginia and like West Virginia businesses and I want to support West Virginia and it will always have that like place and, you know, and no one else can say anything bad about it either. I'm oh, like, no, 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 no. You can't insult it unless you're from there. <laughs> right. You have to be deeply rooted to say anything negatively. Yes. I, going back to, so I don't know if you want to even talk about like your writing in, like, because you went to Chicago to work for a magazine, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, re- so I creepily remember Chicago. that. <laughs> That's not creepy. It's okay. Um, I went to Chicago working for a magazine. I worked for a great magazine there, um, Chicago Scene, and it got rolled into another company called CS, and I worked for them for a while. Um, And then I transitioned into trade magazines, and I was always kind of writing fiction at the same time in the back of my head and sometimes on paper, but I wasn't submitting anywhere. I didn't have any background or real experience with it. My experience in college was all journalism based. So that's what I was writing was journalism. You know, I was, I was very editorial in my approach. Um, and then when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I was like, I really want to go back to school and get another, um, get another master's degree. My husband was like, oh, good. What are we getting a master's degree in now? Um, And I was like, I want to get an MFA. I want to focus on fiction and see if I can, um, you know, sell fictional works and do that and be traditionally published. And so I did. I went to a school in South Carolina because when I say I was pregnant with my um, second daughter, I mean, I was 38 weeks pregnant when my program started. (laughs) So like literally the first day my program director was like, why don't I give you my cell phone number on the off chance you go into labor? (laughs) Um, It was very much one of those situations. So did Um, she get the degree as well then? She does too. I I always say like we were co-partners. I was like breastfeeding her while I was doing my program. We were attached at the hip. She didn't go 
into any kind of like daycare until she was about 18 months to two years. So I was like, yeah, this is as much hers as it's as it put it on her resume. You guys did it like, together. You guys yeah, she, we, we full fledged, if had it not been for her cooperation, it would have been really impossible. <laughs> so at that point, when I moved to Charlotte, um, that's when. I was getting this degree and I was starting to write the stories that would make up this collection. Oh, that's really cool. And how many years ago was that? Yeah. So I started it in 2016. Oh, wow. And then I graduated in 2018. It was a two-year two program. Um, and then after that, it was I individually published a lot of them with a lot of literary magazines. With short stories, you want to get about 75% of your collection published before you publish the entire thing because that gets publishers interested they want you to bring readers to the table and show that you can get other works published so um I published a bunch of them before and then I held a couple of them back and then I started submitting pretty widespread to a bunch of different places for the entire collection and how long did that take for someone to pick it up long <laughs> I was, at the end, I was at the end of the rope. So um, in 2018, I was I had to add a couple to the collection. Not all of them were written in my program. So I had to add three stories, I think, um, were the final total. And that was the difference between my thesis and what's published. Ah. So your thesis, your MFA thesis is 140 pages of fictional work. Um, and that's one, that's a portion of what you have to have to graduate from Converse's MFA program. So I took those stories and I worked on them as well. Um, and then I just started submitting to like every contest or agent that I could find. I, I found a great agent, but what agents will tell you is that people don't often buy short story collections. It's a hard sell um, because, you know, they want readers and it's you have fewer readers with a short story collection. Um, so it was basically university presses that I was submitting to. WVU has a university press. A lot of, I think Marshall does too. A lot of places have a university press where they will publish uh, work like this. And so that's where I was submitting to. And I ended up getting picked up by a great publisher, Finishing Line Press, and they are out of Kentucky. Um, and they mostly publish work of poetry, actually, and they had just started getting into fiction. Um, and I won their Women's Voice Contest, and that's how it ended up getting published. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you've been nominated. I saw that you've been nominated for a bunch of different awards. Oh, it, I call this collection always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, so it would get to the point where it'd be like, oh, this story was nominated for this, or this entire collection yeah. got nominated for something. Um, and I would get so close, I'd be a semifinalist or a finalist and not, not ever quite there. <laughs> but it ended up in the right place. So it all works out in the end, I suppose. Yeah, I, I feel That's like any... That's what my mom always tries to sell me. I'm always like, oh, I would rather finish last than second. And she's like, no. That's, well, that's how we were talking about it on one pod podcast. Yeah, the episode. Happiness Lab. We talked yep. about like the Happiness Lab podcast. And they, they say that the different – if you look at the Olympians who – get like the first they're extremely ecstatic but the second place they always look like they just like lost their entire Dollar plus. life yeah like yeah and third it's, it's like 
unreachable. <laughs> right. The third place person's so happy and stuff because they're like, this is awesome. Fuck yeah. yeah. Well, you go in like one first and winning and like what's second best? Like they're like, what is, you know, but the third place didn't think they could even get a medal. So they're happy. So that. Oh, it's so funny. Yes. I, I, I feel like that speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, you're like second. Yes, I know. We got second in college. Versus. And it was like, we might as well have just lost. Like, yeah. Exactly. So, um, but no, it was nominated from a lot of really great places and places that I really, really respect. So I know, and then I would go and I would read the other people's work who actually won. And I'd be like, okay, I understand. And I'm really flattered that I was <laughs> I'm flattered now that I'm second to be like in the same breath. So it ended up well. At least you weren't like, these are horrible. Why didn't I get first? Exactly. It was never a situation like that. That we know of and you're not saying it. Yeah, you don't want to on record that you're you're saying like the first place. No, 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 no. They were all very, very good good esteemed writer. It's a small community, Rachel. Don't get me in trouble. Yes. And hopefully they're listening. <laughs> so I was gonna actually ask you: Were you always only not only but interested in like short stories more? Would you ever go into maybe a longer, maybe a novel or? Oh, on, the honest answer is: I went into the program pitching a novel, so you get to choose oh. what you do. Um, you can do short stories, or you can do a novel. You can choose which direction you're gonna go. And I had mm-hmm. a mentor my first semester who was like, "Listen." I think this is a great pitch for a novel. I think that that would make a great novel, but you're not going to have it finished by the end of your program. So you're looking at like three more years of writing this probably after you get out of the program. He's like, if you do short stories, you have a sense of accomplishment and you can start submitting immediately and you can add on to them and submit the entire collection a whole lot sooner than you probably would if you would do a novel. So his his advice was look at this medium and try it out and see if yeah. you like it. See if you can like get your feet wet with it. Let's read some short story authors and get like a good basis for what you really love. And then make a novel your second project or put this That's on the smart. back burner That's and smart. make one of these stories a novel. I had another mentor who was who was really fond of saying, if you want to write a novel about a character, then write two or three short stories about them first and see where that takes you and if it takes you anywhere good and then start that project. So, um, you don't want to be burnt out. Yeah. Right. Like, I think exactly. I found, like, that's, and that's a great, like, not even challenge, but it's like a good challenge. And uh, yeah, it is like a challenge in itself to even do that because then you have that one milestone when you complete, say that one project for you and, yeah, and look at you now. Yeah, exactly. So it it was a good opportunity. Really. It was great for me because it allowed me to, to complete something, you know, I, I, I love a project at the beginning of it, but I didn't want to buy like year five, be like, oh, I have 
200 pages of this written and I'm still five years away from it. And you don't right. know how it's going to end. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know where it is. You know? yeah. so, we might like take it back to the beginning, maybe another five more years. Exactly. So um, it was a really good process for me. So I, um, so that's how I got started. Now I'm currently working on a novel and that's been like a three-year process so far. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for only two more years. Can you tell us anything about it? Well, it actually blossomed from a short story. So I published, it's not in this collection, but in an anthology that I was in, um, published by Owl Hollow Press, which is a press out of, oh gosh, I think Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I published something called, in their Full Moon anthology. And the editor wrote back and was like, please, please, please write the backstory to this and send it to us as a novel. So I was like, okay, that's, that's, a, so cool. that's a challenge accepted. And it was a really, it was a very trippy story. It was about a girl, it's a musician. Um, and it was loosely based on the female musician in the band, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Sevens. Um, and she was pretty famously like booted from the band. They had like a bad falling out. And so I wanted to write this story about this conflict between these two people who appear on stage to kind of be really loving towards each other but have a really dynamic and kind of abusive back and forth um and it's set in west virginia and if they're playing a music festival there and the reason that they're doing the festival is because her uncle who was only a few years older than her was abducted when he was a little kid and it was at a festival like this and so that's the backstory this is good so far that's the backstory that the editor wants is like what happened throughout the abduction and throughout those years so that's what shaped her life i guess right and then how it kind of shaped her life and got her to this place that's really that's interesting yes yeah. So it was a rich fabric to work with. I mean, the whole premise of it started because it was a full moon anthology. And so the whole premise of it was they're doing this on the night of a full moon. And they're also really tripping on mushrooms. So they're like, it was like really trippy. It's like like Grace and Hannah, my mom and fourth grade teacher are going to listen to this. I would, I'm going to plead the fifth. (laughs) We know I can cut this. I I did not. (laughs) I mean, don't you have to do things to, you know, write? Yeah. I mean, what's the big deal? Sometimes you can just observe. That's what I'll say. Sometimes you can just be the observer. It's for art. It's for art, Katie. Always, always. Yes. That's too funny. Um, yeah, so it's that's the story that I'm working on now. Um, and it's, it is, it doesn't sound fun. It is a kind of fun story. There are a lot of fun, really different characters. And it's set in Logan, West Virginia, but like in the 70s. So I like got to Ooh, di- cool. do like a deep dive into like some like cool 70s. I already um, love it. I already love history. the weird. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I already am picturing the weird. Yeah. 
And yeah, I feel like Logan was probably really booming. Like, it, well, I mean, my mom and dad graduated from Logan. Oh, well, my dad right. graduated from Logan High School. My mom oh. moved and graduated from Bluefield High School. But when my dad graduated from Logan High School, I swear that I think he told me there were something like 500 people in his graduating class. Like, it was huge, booming area right. back in the day. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a really rich landscape and fabric to, to – to I'm excited. I'm excited to read it. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's it's many years in the process, and then the submission process is many years too. So it might be a minute. I'll remind you that. <laughs> and you'll have okay. to come back on then. Yeah, I'll come back. I promise. To season ten, and we'll talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> so, do you think you'll ever do like a memoir or anything like that? I don't know. I have a couple of friends who are great creative nonfiction writers, and they are are in the process of working on memoirs. Um, And they've lived such richer lives than I have. I mean, mean, like, I feel like my experiences can be somewhat sheltered. So I don't know if a memoir is in my works. I always like to explore things um, from you know, a fiction purview and things like that. I, I don't know about a memoir. I Just do write some essays. I've written some essays about my kids. Um, my daughter, Addie, had something called apraxia when she was really little, which basically meant she would get really long seizures. Oh. And so we taught, I've written some essays about that diagnosis and what that was like. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 We'll have to dabble in that form a little bit more before I would take a full memoir. I feel like you could. um, (laughs) I was just going to say you could always do, um, uh, like, they do the, what's it called, those short stories that are like a poem, too. And you can always Mm -hmm. team up, too, someday with even illustrators or other authors to do those together. Yeah, that, that is a very cool, and I would love to. Um, I think I have a writing style that lends itself to that. Poetry yeah. is always so intimidating to me. So well, that's what I mean, like, like, if you made it, like, a, because they make these, like, short story poetry ones now. Yeah. So it's like, it's poetry, but it's also a short story. <laughs> it's narrative poetry, exactly. right? So you can use, like, so all can... the fun language. <laughs> I think it would just be cool because maybe you could do it with West Virginia people too. Yeah, I think that that would be so fun. Well, I also like think that you, well, your mom is like such an interesting person too to like talk about. I'm sure your childhood was amazing because her mom is one of the best preschool teachers I think like ever. That's so sweet. I actually wanted to be a preschool teacher and I think because, well, one, my mom was a teacher and then like Miss Piccarello was like amazing and well uh, my niece thinks she's famous because uh, well, she go to madison and people will like come up and be like hi she's like had everybody's kids in school she's like well, reading I mean, the parade it's very funny yeah and she always did so much too like when you had her like she made it fun but unfortunately like, i had like i went two years so i went when i was three and four and four and five and the first year unfortunately i think she had cancer she did yeah when I was younger yeah Yeah. so um she was probably out a little bit that first year yeah she was there I had like Miss White which I was really like sad that I didn't you know have her because for the first year but then I definitely got to enjoy her 
the second year. And then I also went to your house for a computer class back in the yes, day. Yes, she would, she went on Saturday mornings. She would <laughs> teach computer classes. And computer classes were like doing worksheets and stuff. Like they weren't legit computers. <laughs> they were just like. A, oh, my God. It was like, like 94, 95. Right. It was like 1990. It's hilarious now to think that we called them computer classes, though, because she's very technologically in it. <laughs> She's like always calling me for tech. That is so funny. So how did she get started? I call myself her reluctant IT support. Well, like I'm up now, I guess. I'm my mom's, and and she thinks I like have everything on her screen memorized, and I'm like, I don't know what you're looking at. Like she thinks I'm like coding over here doing something like that. I'm like I'm attaching an email to you. Take it. I'm literally looking up this article for you right now. Now I went on Google and I typed your question to me to Google. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> the good news is we've taught we have taught her how to online shop. So she has five grandchildren. She keeps them well stocked and everything. It's <laughs> so funny that you're like she doesn't know how to use a computer and she taught. Well, you guys had like ten she computers or something in that room. Oh my good. Well, she would bring them from like they. She would like loan them from places. So like. Oh. <laughs> And they would bring them so in. she never even learned how to use these loans. See, and I, and I thank Miss Pigarello for my That's use so of computer, funny. like, uh, that That's I so learned cute, early. I'm so sorry that I bursted this childhood bubble. I, like, feel like, I feel like I've somehow tarnished your favorite cartoon character. <laughs> she was just pretending. She was just, like, putting us in front of the computer, and it was just a piece of paper on the screen. It was easier when the person you were teaching was, like, in first or second grade. <laughs> Not when you're older. Like, if you really thought that was the computer screen, I want to wonder about you. <laughs> So funny, but she did. She did for a long time, um, yeah. and then for a long time she would dress up in a different Halloween costume. She was like a bunch of grapes one year. I remember it was like big purple I, balloons I think, all over. I think I have a picture of that. So it was either when I was in preschool or when my brother was in preschool. I swear that's in one of our family albums. Yes, she was a she was a bunch of grapes one year. Oh, it was so funny. She would always she would do a bike parade down our yes. street. And our my daughters and my niece truly think she's famous because <laughs> we go to Madison and we go anywhere and she's had somebody's kid in school. Well, so and you had a famous dog. Cool. Coco was one of the we most very, famous We did have dogs. a very famous dog, but she was famous for getting loose. She would like follow my sister and I to school and like come in the elementary. You we lived right down the street. That. Yeah, Coco would make a really good story. Coco would be adventure a fabulous of character. I know. Had just to live for the big around. red dog, dog come first <laughs> well, but I in West true. Virginia yeah. but yeah like I remember because my grandmother lived in Madison like she lived um, like I don't know if you across from Madison like Baptist I remember like Coco coming there and oh. Coco would go everywhere. She would get food from people. Yeah, she, she would was follow very us into big. She was, a very big. she was a she was a big giant chocolate lab, and so she was and very lovable. So Aww. and she lived until let me see. I was like a junior in college. Yeah, I feel like she was really, really old. She was really really. She was always that's a good life, and that's because yeah. she followed you everywhere. Probably <laughs> they would like call my sister. My sister's name was Angela. They would call us to the office and be like, Angela, pick her. Hello, Katie Picarello, come to the hot office to walk Coco back home. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that. That's 
another day. <laughs> she would like trot in. It was very funny. I guess it was easier when your mom worked at Madison versus the kindergarten academy because then she could just she take was her. right there. You know what I mean? Like she was like right in the same school. And then she went to the kindergarten academy. And for her, those years at the kindergarten academy for her were the best because it was like it was all preschools. See, that's was, where like, I had her. Little classes. Yeah. Like, so that was a, that was like a magical little oasis over there. Yeah. Cause Aww. we had the little gym. I feel like we just could do way, like a lot because we, there was just like just a bunch of little kids. And, yes, and, and they had, they had, and I know my perspective at school is probably skewed because I was so little, but we used to have like things that you could hang on, like in the gym, like acrobat stuff. Yeah, they used to have all kinds of cute stuff. She was always bragging about the lunches and breakfasts there, too. She's like, oh, we had French toast things today. She knew everybody. They always ate breakfast. It was very, very That's funny. That's like, I <laughs> have this today. I realize I have gone off, like, Kinter and just talked about it's your okay. mom. It's okay. be really cool, though. She I is get- a fun character. She is definitely a, fun, a very fun character. Um. It's cool just hat. hard to do her justice because she sounds like Miss Frizzle or something from the magic school. That's what people talk about. She's the perfect preschool teacher. Like, I couldn't <laughs> see her doing anything else. Well, yeah, yeah. she's now at the high school, Hannah. She's she's over at the high school. Look at that face. Can you imagine? <laughs> and those people, did they have her for preschool, the people? Yes, in the she's had everybody. <laughs> now that she has to yell at some so of them, now too. she has them like teenagers. Now they're like teenagers. It's, I it's just imagine her still talking to them like they're four and five. Like, yeah, it's like you were so well, nice when you were four and five. They might have earned old. it. <laughs> They might earn it. They are teenagers, but yeah. So now she's over at the high school subbing, which is which is a hilarious departure to me. Yeah. Um. So she would be a very cool character, but I like to think that my characters are super super dynamic, and I could never write about her flaws. She's a really good mom. She's a really good nana. She was an awesome teacher. It would be hard to put her in one of my sticky scenario stories. Just, you, know, you could just have a little animal in there. That would be funny. That could exactly. Be she she would be perfect in a kids book. Yes. I was yes. just thinking I still think just like a random animal would be funny to have show up in a store. I know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember any, like, I feel like everybody's very nostalgic about preschool because of her. Because I'm like, people are like, oh, I don't remember when I was younger. And I was like, I remember. I remember so much from preschool. And like. Well, let me just say this too. She remembers everyone from it too. Like she has a, she has a story or an anecdote about every single person she's had so it's like it's very very fun it's like she's a walking yearbook <laughs> well hopefully she has something nice to say about me <laughs> i told her that you were doing this and she's like oh she was always the sweetest she was so excited to hear that <laughs> that's good i know my brother was really mean and like he had a speech impediment and so <laughs> he he'd always be like please please miss piccarillo please i won't do it again like apparently he would be like <laughs> um, Sure, she wouldn't remember that. I'm sure she has positive memories of that. Oh, my parents talk about how like mean he was in preschool. It was also the year I was born, so I think he was going through some sort oh, of. Oh, he had he had like know. a tantrum situation. Yeah, like he was so like he was born and I was born. So it was like know. oh, there's another child here. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he like you know he probably wanted to be at home with my mom because she stayed home, and then I was you know 
taking up his space. <laughs> well, I'm sure that, that is not my mom's memory of him. I'm sure I'm going to find out and I'm going to reply in the comments about what her nice memories of you guys are. I also... Not to continue to talk about her, but I did uh, Eagle's Nest in high school or the mentorship thing, and I, w- I went to her room and like and she, yeah, that w- I, I always forget that that was like another connection that a lot of people have. So Eagle's Nest would partner older high school students up with like a sweet little kid they could like mentor and play with and read to and things like that. And so a lot of people have had that experience as well, which is a, which is always a positive one. And in those yeah. moments, I wanted to be a preschool teacher and even like, and like your mom told me I should, but my mom talked me out of becoming a teacher. It's never too late. So. Well, I, I do go to Honduras and I teach at a school every year. So I feel like that's my, and everyone always thinks I'm certified. Like they think I'm a real teacher and I'm like, no, I'm just playing one for the week. Like, Oh, don't have imposter syndrome. If you've taught something, then you're a teacher. I yeah, think it counts. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Yes. But anyway, going back to your your books and stuff. So what like so you released in October. So what are the future plans for the book or what yeah. do you, you know, focusing on your So content? they my publisher um, has planned a really cool marketing tour. I'm going to a bunch of different schools um, that have Appalachian Studies programs, and I'll like read there and talk to them about writing Appalachian fiction. Um, and then award season's coming up, so it might be a bridesmaid again. It'll probably it's going to be nominated for a few Appalachian book awards from my publisher. The what happens with that is the publisher sends in the nominations and then they narrow those down and that's how um, they come to their decisions about those Um, and then just readings promoting it continuing to write um, doing podcasts like these things like this Um, not that there are other podcasts like these this is a (laughs) unique one-of-a-kind experience Um, we are quite uh, phenomenal if I do say so myself you guys are a good Sunday or Monday night hang I was gonna say Sunday night it feels very much like a Sunday night hang right now this is very Sunday I keep mixing up days (laughs) we do sometimes record on Sunday depending on if the person can't make it so well I will say I we also just came from snowshoe my my daughter is turning six next week and so she wanted to go skiing for her birthday they've never been skiing before so we took all my nieces and nephew my mom and dad came and we all went skiing for the weekend so I, we just got back today so that's also why it's got like a sunday fun day vibe yeah um but yeah just just promoting it selling it getting it out there doing a lot of college readings um and things like that um i was just at taylor books which oh, I saw is that. such a fun venue in charleston it's got an art gallery and a movie theater and it's a big independent bookstore it's like the coolest independent bookstore coffee shop they've got like these delicious cook my daughters were enamored with the cookies they're like as big as your face um so we were there we were at scott high school um and i i was supposed to talk to some scott high school classes and their creative writing um and english department didn't get a chance to do that because there was a huge snowstorm (laughs) So you think you'll be able to do it, I like, missed, remotely? Yes. I talked to Jacob Messer, who's the principal there, and we're hoping that we can set up something remotely to speak to kids in the classroom and stuff like that. Um, and then 
I'm really hopeful. I've been working with a literacy organization, Everyone Reads, and we're hoping to do some kind of collaboration um, that goes towards West Virginia schools. So with my books and with some things that they're doing. So we're trying to set something up um, regarding a tour with them as well, which which will be really, really fun. And a portion of the proceeds for They Always Wave Goodbye would go towards that organization. Well, that's really awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, lots of fun things. Just lots of exciting. Did you actually get to go back to Scott or did you even? Yeah. Yeah, So we rescheduled. There were eight inches of snow on the ground. We went back to Scott and there were like 40 people who came out in the middle of a huge blizzard. I mean, one thing that you can say about Boone Countyans and West Virginians is they support their own and they were there to show their support. It was a great, great showing. Um, Julia Warner came and Susan Gerald, just a bunch of the teachers. I don't know if you had Shirley Hall, who was yeah. in the English department. I, I had Miss Hall. I, I forgot her name was Shirley until you said English. And I'm like, yes, Miss Hall. I actually had her for history and not English. My brother, oh, she, for crazy. some reason, whenever I was in high school, decided to teach history for a year. And I was really disappointed because I didn't. She was a great English teacher. I know. My I don't brother, know how she was a history. My brother had had her and it um Mr. Burdett's the one that taught honors English mm-hmm. versus her and my mom was like so mad and went to you know to the it was like can you not get her to teach I don't know it was something to she, do with so like, she taught me ninth and twelfth grade English I had her I double yeah. had her for English I was so lucky she's awesome yeah um and then my mom stood up and spoke some and she was laughing because she introduced Susan Gerald who said a few words and said something to me for me. And she said, Miss Gerald, we still have two shields underneath our bed. Miss Gerald's big <laughs> assignment is she makes See, everybody I didn't do have a her shield. Either. Oh, like that's really a fun time. So, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I went under my sister's bed and there were two shields. I was like, oh, this is so, this is so my Scott high school experience. So it was interesting to go back into the high school, but it was such a great showing. They, they really turned out despite the snow and the really horrific conditions. Had it changed any? Was it weird walking the halls now that you, it's been a few years? Everybody looks very young. I must say, (laughs) I don't like to admit how young I feel like everybody else looked. (laughs) Um, and it was it felt very similar like I could still pick things out my mom is substituting in a room that was Darlene McClure's health room when oh I was there. okay I so know. it's like right at the corner right at that it was corner, like painted yes. blue back in the day mm-hmm. yes so and we you know Sarah McClure who came to the reading so sweet um she was in my graduating class. So we would like eat lunch in there. That was like our hangout central. All our lockers were right there. And so I was like, wow, this is a very strange deja vu. And I actually, I have a very weird memory and I remembered my locker number and combination. And I went and I tried it. My girls were so excited. They're like, it's going to work. It's going to work. And it did not. They must have changed the combination. I wonder if they change them every year. But that might be the only thing that's changed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Looks very much the same. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've not I don't know if I've walked the halls since I've graduated, but I can't imagine that it's much different than You know who is still there too is Terry Duty, whom I adore. Oh, she was the she was the algebra teacher yeah. and she's been there forever. And she taught me I was not a math student. I'm 
very yeah. English oriented. And so she was my algebra teacher. And so I did get to see her, which was very cool. Um, but yeah, not, not, not a lot of <laughs> diversion from the norm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know like, cause I was in the band and that's completely different because Miss Nunley left after my freshman year and I'm sure she was there when you were there. She was. So I was there freshman. I played in the man freshman and sophomore year. Oh, so I, did you play the flute? I played the saxophone. Or the saxophone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I was, um, and I played in the jazz band with Miss Nunley, and then she coached tennis with mm-hmm. Joe Hendricks. Yeah, I, I played tennis there. when she So um, I was a rant. She was always around for that. And I can't imagine her anywhere but Scott High School. I, I think she's know? retired it's like now. It's this weird thing with teachers where you're like, they can't go anywhere other than where you're used to seeing them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not allowed anywhere else. My kids get so confused when we, like, see a teacher out at the grocery store that they know. They're like, wait, wait what's that? When I was an after-school art teacher, and they did that to me, too, and I was out at, like, a bar once a few years ago, and, like, one of the – I don't know why the student was there with the mom. Anyways, that's not the point. I was sitting there, and then they were like, why is Miss Rachel out? <laughs> or my so mom sorry. used to have an assistant teacher, Nancy Bias uh-huh. used to be her assistant teacher, and they'd be like, Why isn't Miss Bias with you? They always travel together. Like a little sidekick, like Batman and Robin. <laughs> like, like constantly we're just fighting crime together. <laughs> That's really cute. Well, that, I feel like as a kid, because um, I saw my dentist out at the grocery store and I didn't know who he was. And my dad was like, that's your dentist. And I was like, no, I don't know who that man is. Like, <laughs> and I like, I think if you ex- ha- they don't exist outside the right, parameter like you, have, you like, create they, for them. They're like the school bus drivers always driving a school bus. They, you know, that's I'm it. looking Nowhere back, I'm like, I had a mask on so when I saw funny. Them, yeah. Well, I will say too, masks have created a whole different scenario. So that's like a whole different level of anonymity. Yeah. Um, and in Charlotte, I have tons of it because I know people, but like it's limited compared to Madison, West Virginia. But I go back to Madison, and even the mask can't hide. They're like, oh, there's, there's Katie and Melinda Pigrella. They're, like, waving in the grocery store. Oh, yeah. I It's less, like, I don't know about you, but, like, if I'm with my dad, people know who I am. But if I'm not, I can, like, kind of get by with nobody, know, like, running. Yes. Somewhere. If I'm with either of my parents, um, then – then people are, we're going to have to stop and shitty chat, which is great. I love, I love the Boone County crowd. Um, but if I am there, if I like had to do one time, um, my niece was in town, we had to do like a Walgreens run. Um, so we went together and nobody knew who either of us were. And I was like, this is a strange feeling in Madison, West Virginia. But I rolled through Madison and a lot of the landmarks that were there when we were growing up are, are defunct they're gone yeah which is an odd feeling yeah it's changed a lot and not for the good unfortunately I know I really wish that it just had like a little economic growth like just a little more because it could be such a sweet it is a sweet little town and it could be something really special yeah. Well, maybe when you become really famous, you can, you know, be like Dolly Parton. I always, you know, that's my idea. I'm like, when I become famous, you know, there'll be Hannah Land or something. And exactly. just maybe <laughs> County, just like. <laughs> Hand out. I love that. 
And and there can be like a little book play. I don't know something. I feel like Hobat. Well, I always tell my parents. My parents will say things like that, and I'm constantly like, I might have gone about being famous the wrong way. Like I don't know. Like there's always an anonymity to being an author, which actually I'm kind of introverted, so I kind of appreciate. Like I don't need to be the center of attention. I'll let my work be the center of attention. There you go. There you go. I hope this show, like, not that we have that many listeners, but I always hope that, like, it changes some people, like, at least one person's mind about West Virginia, you know, like, their thoughts, and they, like, hear and listen to all the people that come on and realize, like, even though West Virginia is in the news a lot for some horrible things at times, there's really some great people. It's a complicated, it's like a character. It's a complicated place. It's very, very three-dimensional. And there are really, really beautiful aspects of it. And there are a lot of things that I really wish could be changed. And, and a yeah. lot of minds that I wish could be a little more open. Um, but the, the thing about West Virginia is it's so isolated. You have to come away from it in order to see some of those negative aspects and in order to elicit some of that change so I hope people do and I hope people to go back and think about it and chin and help those places that they grew up because it fosters who you are it really does yeah yeah most definitely Let's take a little break. Perfect timing. I want to talk about the merch we have for sale on our website, www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. Oh, and especially our cozy hoodies. I absolutely love mine so much. I even wore it on Sunday when it was freezing outside. They are perfect for everyone. We even have t-shirts. People can order merch now while supplies last and receive 15% off by using our listener code telling people found in our episode notes. And back to our show. Katie, what would you like to tell people? I would like to tell people that They Always Wave Goodbye is a story about women, um, but mostly it's a story about motherhood. And there are a lot of things as women and as mothers that you're just not allowed to say. And that's where this whole collection came from. It's from that place of you're not allowed to worry about that. You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to you know, have a preference about that. Um, And it's from tackling those issues and looking at them from a different person's purview and seeing what they have to say about that from that character's um, perspective. And I hope that it opens people's mind about West Virginia. And I hope it also allows people who are from West Virginia, those people who might be picking this up and reading it um, from Amazon or from my publisher or from one of the myriad of independent bookstores that carry it and that they're realizing um, also that there are some problems there that need to be solved and that need to be addressed and need to be really, really, really thought about. There are some things there that are a little broken and that we want to change for the better. Um, and, and one of those things is um, to some extent the education system and the the class system that exists all across the state. Um, for the most part, the state can really be a place of the haves and the have-nots. And there are, there's a lot of um, economic growth that I hope the community can have. And I hope um, people realize that this is coming from a place of love because it is. 
Um, so yeah, that's They Always Wave Goodbye. And you can find me at katiepsherman.com. Um, my book is sold on Amazon and it's also sold at Taylor Books um, in Charleston. It's sold um, at Barnes and Noble and a couple of other places. And you can always request it at your libraries. I'm constantly trying to get it into librarians' hands. Um, so I'm sending a bunch of copies across the state of West Virginia and local areas um, to get it into librarians' hands as well. Do you know if people have like book clubs where they like? Can you like contact book clubs and say like you want it on their list? Or yeah, for sure. So um, I have a marketing representative through my publishers, and they do a lot of the wholesale legwork, which I'm super thankful for. Um, but it has been flagged for a couple of book lists. So um, I'm doing a reading in Spartanburg, South Carolina soon at Hub City Book, and they're going to be featuring it in their feminist book club. Um, so it's great for things like that, because a short story collection, even if you don't don't necessarily um, have an opportunity to read the whole thing. You can read one or two and get a real sense of the voice um, and the place and some of the characters and the dynamics that I'm addressing um, and, and be able to have a nice discussion about it. Also, it's pretty compact. So it's about 120 pages. So it's a nice... Um, I wouldn't say it's an easy read. There are some stories. My mom is always on me because there are a lot of stories that are really sad. She's such um, a bright person. She's a very sunny person. And she's like, can you please just write something happy? And I'm like, well, conflict kind of comes from this. Con- I'm, I'm always telling my daughters, you know, there's a reason that the parents in Disney movies die because that's like the conflict of the story. That's like something they have to overcome. So I'm like, conflict kind of exists in this dark space. Um, but yes, on life. <laughs> Eventually, I'll write something happy that maybe About she Coco. can write. <laughs> maybe I'll write a Coco story. That's right. That's what I'm saying the dog just shows up in the school and you're like, what the I hell? Don't just like, meanders in. She has such a <laughs> life that you could write. Like, she, like, was with different families and different kids and different experience. She probably, like, had different friends, different, you know, I feel like there's just so, you know, many things. I'm going to have to, though, because she is not going to let me hear the end of it if I don't. <laughs> She's yeah, like, well. please, please, a happy story, a happy uh, ending, you a happy ending. You can, do? It. you can add a little <laughs> sadness to it for a little, for you, and then you can be like, see, see, I got me, and then there's a happiness for you. I'll just see? sprinkle it in, just like a little sea salt on the top. There's nothing to do with another I feel like Coco could definitely be a children's book too, especially since she was at the grade school and like just a bunch of, you know, like. She definitely had too many antics for me to not eventually write about her. So mom and Coco and the whole crew. And their adventures. My whole Montley Piccarello crew that lived on Jackson Mm -hmm. Avenue will eventually, I'm sure, meander in somewhere. For now, it's all in kind of the finite details. (laughs) Maybe your mom is worried that you're just writing such like sad stories. Like she's worried, (laughs) like why? Why is she so sad? I know. She's like, like, what what have I done? What happened to her life? What's going on? Why did I make her so sad? She's so funny. She's just such an eternal optimist. She's like, she's like, it'll be okay in the morning.
morning. Like she like like she's um she's not always looking at how complex everything is. She just <laughs> wants to so strictly believe that it's all going to be okay when the teacher. sun comes up. And that is why she did exactly what she should with her life, which was be a preschool teacher and give that kind of joy to four-year-olds everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, she definitely, it was definitely the right road for her. Yes, I can't imagine her doing anything else. <laughs> no, I can't. This isn't really fun. Other than being a Nana. So oh, yeah. She's a Aww. really good Nana, too. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, yes, dressing up and parading around. And... Oh, yeah, she's she does all the things with them. So that's always very fun. Um, but yeah, the book is dedicated to her. So I, even if I haven't written her into a character yet, it's only because I don't want to give her some kind of dismal ending. <laughs> I mean, why have a dismal ending when you can have a book, you know, after you, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been really fun. Thank you. I also, I meant to say, I don't know if I said this, but when I was in high school, I remember you going to Chicago and we actually talk about you in our English class, how you were like in Chicago and we couldn't believe we're like, somebody from Scott High School lives in Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah, Hannah kept telling me earlier how cool you were. Yeah, oh, that is so sweet. Yeah, I was I such like... a dweeb in high school. Hannah just got the, like, the back end view of my high school experience. That's why she thought I, yeah, I was Hannah cool. Was like, she's like, my hero. Like, like, she went okay, to Chicago and she did this. Yeah. Like that. I mean, like you know, so fun. Like, so it's always representation matters, Hannah. I'm so glad that you thought I was cool from a distance because that must have meant that I was pulling something off. I got away with something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you are cool. So yeah, it, it, it gave me courage. Now, to Rachel, leave. it's taken getting well into your 30s to actually be cool. <laughs> Wow. That's I'm what the high schoolers don't realize. Yeah, you don't want to peak in high school. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to be peaking there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you, you there, so You already peaked out life. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I love the movie Almost Famous, and I love this line. He says, you'll see them on their long road to the middle. <laughs> You're passing them. I'm like, yes. That's Bye. I love that. Yes. <laughs> see you later. See you later. So true. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And also, it, I also guys. believe, like, because you've gotten second place, I feel like you have to lose some to win the biggest. So you'll that just means something wonderful is about to happen. That is yeah. very sweet. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we're waiting for you. <laughs> and I'm loving your all's podcast. Like I said, you guys have got a big fan in me. I'm so excited well, to share you. and spread it about. Oh, I th- this was so much fun. I had a good time. Oh, I love yes. it. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Yes, yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I'm excited for your other books, too. Oh, yeah. Bye. Bye. Hannah, what did you think about this episode? Well, as I always say, when someone's from West Virginia, and I know people are probably tired, I have, you know, a social place in my heart, but I really enjoyed talking to Katie. I don't think I had ever really talked to her. Like, I know who she is. I've seen her around. You know, she was a little older than me growing up, and we went to the same church, and and I would see her, but never actually having a conversation. And she moved away and I moved away. And every once in a while, I'd see her with her family, Christmas Eve services, but not actually have a conversation. So it was really good getting to know her a little better and hearing about her book and how she got into writing short stories and um, how, you know, she hopes to write, you know, a full novel. And I'll say like, 
her book is actually really good. And there's a lot of, you know, interesting stories. They, they do have, there's a lot of sadness, but a lot of happiness too. And, and it's just, they're very different, but then they all have, um, you know, a little bit of the same theme. But I really enjoyed reading her book. And I wish I had read it prior to talking to her. But at the same time, I kind of, she sold it to me. And so maybe she'll sell it, you know, to other people that are listening. Because it, it is a really, you know, good read. And um, and I hope that she wins the awards that she has been nominated and I hope it, you know, becomes the bride and not just the bridesmaid. And, and I, and I can't wait to see what other things she'll write and publish. And, you know, as I mentioned, it is something like when you're from a small town, you don't see a whole lot of people either like leave or become somebody that's following their dreams. There are a couple people, but like when I was in high school, and she was in Chicago working for a magazine that was just, you know, very cool, even though she said she wasn't cool. And, and I hope that there's somebody watching me and hoping, you know, like realizing that, you know, you can do more than, um, you know, become a nurse or a teacher because I feel like that's mostly what people are in, in our hometown. And those are wonderful, you know, very great professions that we, you know, deeply need. But you don't see a whole lot out of um, that as a woman and as a girl and to see somebody do those things. And she writes a lot about feminism, moving out, sexuality, things like that in her book. And it's just really, really good. And she does pull back the themes of West Virginia into it. And um, and then also like her roots in Chicago and, and things like that. But just really like Highly recommend. I know I say that with almost everybody we interview, but I'm always proud of everybody we interview or we wouldn't interview them. So I, I don't feel bad like suggesting everything because I feel like we wouldn't have them on the show if we didn't believe in what they were doing. So yeah, what did you think about this episode? Um, well, the good news is I figured out why it hasn't come in the mail yet is because I never checked out. So here we are. Um, I uh, oh, I didn't know you had bought it. Yeah. Um, so I I honestly am really excited to like read about it. Especially I love short stories, and I love that she relates just like what you were saying to a lot of like her even like growing up, moving out, having you know independence but also bringing back West Virginia too so I feel like it's a really interesting way to go about it and I like that you have melancholy etc and then maybe there's growth in it so I can't wait to read it I can't have obviously my full thoughts but I do think it's going to be amazing too because of what she, how she explained it and just I I truly can't wait to see where she goes even with like her full her full length stories you know who knows and I just I'm really excited especially when I am read uh up too so i can't wait yeah. and you signed and up beautifully too <laughs> next week we interviewed amanda chavez and she is going to talk about human-centered design which is an absolute wonderful topic really cool i feel like everything is actually centered around human-centered design like without that we wouldn't have anything so it's a really neat uh topic
What I'd like to tell people is an independent podcast recorded and edited by us, Rachel and Hannah. Our theme song is written and recorded by Sean Price. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can receive the latest episode. Also, rate and review our episodes so we can receive more listeners. Go to our website, www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. Find the link and more information in the episode notes. Until next week. And this was What I'd Like to Tell.